0: Well, good morning. It's going to be a great day. Things are going to move pretty quick today. We've got uh, part six of our series called Before. We've got about eight baptisms. Not about. We do have eight baptisms. We did eight in the first service as well. And we've got our team that's headed to Honduras on Saturday that we're going to commission today. So you've come at a great day. Let me ask you a question as we get started. If you could choose one word from this day forward that would kind of characterize the rest of your life, what would that one word be? I asked a bunch of people this week, family, friends, people I ran into, what would the one word be? And I got a lot of them, a lot of different ones. I don't even think I got a bad word, but I kind of narrowed them down to the top three that I received. Number one, people said, I'd like to be successful which I get, right? Nothing wrong with being successful. God wants us to be successful. What does success look like? That's a different story. Somebody else said love. I thought, wow, that's, have your life characterized by love the rest of your life? That's not a bad thing. The other top three was happy, which I get. Who wants to be sad? Most people want to be happy, right? Although happy tends to be like this, right? If you know life, And so, none of those words are bad, but let me tell you this. I believe according to Jesus, if we asked Him, there'd be one word that would step above the rest of them, one word that would elevate, that would be head and shoulders above every other word. And that's the word we're going to look at today, and I believe it's one word that can change your life. If you would, take out your message outlines. The word that we're going to look at today is faithful. I believe that's the word that would stand out above every other word, that one day Jesus said he's going to say hopefully to us that stand face to face in front of him, what we want to hear is, well done, thou good and faithful. Not successful, not happy, not even loving, but what we hope to hear is, well done, you good and faithful servant. We're in this series called Before. We've been looking at different areas where we've decided the best time to make decisions are to pre-decide before because we don't want to wait until we're in the moment. We don't want to wait until emotions are high. We don't want to wait until we get to that critical spot and then try to make a good decision because we've determined we don't make good decisions then. We're not the best decision makers Where we make the best decisions is before when we pre-decide based on God's word and his truth, his principles, his wisdom, that we're going to make decisions before we get there. And we've said all through this that when we're faced with whatever situation and we all plugged ours in, we've predetermined to take this action because that's where we make the best decisions. Why are decisions so important? Because you show me the quality of your decisions, I'll show you the quality of your life. We make our decisions and then our decisions make us. We've said that throughout this whole series, so we're not going to wait. We're going to pre-decide because that's what wise people do. That's what we'd want our kids to do. That's what we'd want our grandkids to do. So today, we're going to look at faithfulness, and let me tell you the reason that we need to pre-decide to be faithful, because no one ever just stumbles in and becomes faithful by accident. It doesn't happen. The only way you're going to do it is to pre decide I'm going to be faithful, that I'm going to trust God, that I'm going to put His priorities ahead of my own, that I'm going to put His wisdom at the top because He knows and I don't. Let me tell you why that's so important. And let me tell you why you have to pre decide to do this. Excuse me. (coughs) Because honestly, the trajectory of most of our lives is towards ease. What's easy? What's the most convenient? What suits me the best? Because I'm selfish by nature. So are you. We tend to look out for ourselves first. We tend to go the easy route. Being faithful to the things of God is not always easy. It often comes with a cost, but it's always the best decision. Always. We're going to look at an Old Testament prophet, Habakkuk, who said this in chapter 2, verse 4. He said, look at the proud. He's talking about people. Look at the proud. What do they do? They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. They trust in their own wisdom. They trust in their own mind. They trust in their own abilities. They get so puffed up that they think they're all that, right? And like, I've got this. They trust in their own goodness. They trust in their own ability to manage bank accounts, to manage money. That's what the proud do, but notice what they say. They trust in themselves because they're proud and their lives are crooked, but the righteous, the people that are going to honor God, what do they do? They live by their faithfulness to God. When I first read that, right, about the proud, I'm like, well, that's not me, but I know some people that are proud. But you know what? If I'm being honest and I look in the mirror, I said, yeah, no, I've had some pretty proud moments. I've always prided myself in many ways of being like, okay, I'm a pretty quick thinker on my feet. I'm a pretty good decision maker. I'm pretty self-sufficient. You ever been there? But then when I start to think about, where would I get my brain? Who created me? I didn't create myself. You lose your proudness. So I'm intentionally deciding to try to be faithful to God, not to be proud. Now that raises a question, what's it really mean to be faithful to God, what's it really mean? You see, when I first look at what would would God think is faithful, I thought, okay, well I'm not going to cheat on my wife, I'm going to be a good dad as best as possible to my kids, I'm going to be a good steward of what God blesses me with, right? Pay my taxes, pay my bills, be a pretty moral person, don't steal, don't kill anybody, right? That's what I thought faithful is, but when you look at Jesus and how He broke faithfulness down, He takes a whole different path. I was pretty blown away by this. If you look and you want to do a word study, every time Jesus brought up the subject of faithfulness, it always was one of three categories. No other categories, always one of three, and we're going to look at those. Whenever He talked about faithfulness, here's the three things it was either about how we treat people, how we steward or manage resources that he blesses us and puts in our hands, and how we respond to God. Every time Jesus talked about faithfulness, it's one of those three subjects. How do I treat people? How do I manage or steward resources? And how do I respond to God speaking into my life? So what we're going to do is pre-decide to do those things, because that's what wise people would do, right? If I could just have one word. I want to be faithful. I want to stand before my creator one day and have him say, well done, you're good and faithful. So we need to be faithful in these areas. If you're taking notes, fill this in. That means we're going to pre-decide that every interaction is an opportunity to add value. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about how we treat people. Every interaction that you have, every interaction that I have gives me an opportunity to add value to somebody else's life. Now think about if your one word was faithful, every time you meet somebody, you're going to have that hat on. You're going to have that framework and say, I want to add value to their life. I want to be an encouragement to them. I want to be a blessing to them. I, I, I want them to walk away from having some time in my presence where they feel better about themselves. We're going to pre-decide to do that. You can pre-decide to do that. I can pre-decide to do that. And the reason that we have to pre-decide to be faithful like that and to put other people ahead of ourselves is because by nature, we put ourselves first. We've already proven that, right? When you get, let's say somebody handed you a check for $5,000 a day, most people wouldn't say, who could I bless with that? We'd say, hey, what do I want? What am I gonna do? If I took a picture, went around the auditorium today, took a picture, got like eight or 10 of you in every shot, and then we said, we're gonna put them up one by one, and you found the shot that's got you in it, You know how you're going to determine if it's a good or bad picture? Who are you going to look at first? Yourself. Oh, there I am. And if you look good, it's a good picture. You'd be like, oh, yeah, post that. I look good. If you're yawning, you're blinking, your makeup's runny. you didn't realize that, you were picking your nose, didn't realize that when I took the photo, you'd be like, oh, please don't post that. That's a bad photo. You don't care what anybody else looks like. You're basing it on you. That's where we tend to come from, Right? But if we put others ahead of us, if we try to live out the faithfulness to God by putting other people ahead, we're going to have a whole different framework. When I interact with people, what if we all had the attitude because of being faithful to God, we walked into a room and our goal was to make the climate in there better. We're going to be positive. We're going to build people up. We weren't going to tear people down what if we did that? What if every time we talked about people or talked to someone, it was encouraging words? We're going to make a big difference. And God says, you're going to be faithful, but we're going to pre-decide to do that every time because every interaction is an opportunity for me to do that, to add value to somebody else. That's a form of faithfulness to God. That's one of the categories that he looks at. Matter of fact, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. The Apostle Paul said this, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. You know what unwholesome talk is? It's words that tear people down. It's negative. You might say, well, it's true, don't mean you have to say it. You ever had something said about you true that wasn't encouraging? Of course you have. Do you like it? No. Then why do we do it to other people? You want to be faithful to God? Then be an encourager. Use your words to uplift. Build up, don't tear down. That's what he says. But only talk about what is helpful for building others up, for adding value according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Are the people that listen to you every day, day in and out, in your interactions, do they feel built up or do they feel teared down? Did they walk away feeling better about themselves because how you treated them? Does the climate in the room change? Do they have more faith? Do they have a more positive look? That's what we get a chance to do. You add value to people's lives, and that's what Jesus did you want to hear some stories about Jesus, watch his interactions. Even if people were doing the wrong thing, he left them by encouraging them, by seeing something in them they didn't see themselves. I think about when the disciples were worried, whether they were in a boat, remember in the storm, and they were all getting freaked out. You know what Jesus didn't say when his own disciples were worrying? He didn't say, gee whiz, I get it, guys. I see why you're worrying. Like, you know who the president of the United States is right now? You should be worried. You see what the economy's doing right now? You should be worried. You see what's happened to the stock market? You should be worried. Hey, guys, just to be honest with you, the world's going to hell in the handbasket. It, it's, it's bad, and it's going to get worse. You should be worried, guys. That's not what he did. You know what he said? Hey, do you know our God even knows when one bird falls? And God feeds those birds every single day. Won't he take even better care of you? You matter more than the birds, so why worry about tomorrow what you're going to eat, what you're going to do? Hey, just put him first. Seek God first and his righteousness all these other things will be added. Guys, our God, he's got this. Don't be worried. That's what he did. He encouraged them. Remember Peter, one of Jesus' disciples? That said, Jesus, I'll never deny you. But he didn't deny God just or Jesus once or twice, but three times in a short period of time? And Jesus came to him after that? Don't you know Peter's like, oh my gosh, this is I can't believe this is horrible. Look what I did, look what I did. And Jesus didn't say, Yep, you're right, Peter, you're canceled, dude. Like I can't trust you anymore. I can't use you. I had all these plans for you, Jesus. Or Peter, I can't do this anymore. That's not what Jesus did. You know what he did? He asked him a question. He said, Hey Peter. Do you still love me? Yeah, Jesus, I love you. Then go feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Then go go love on people. What if you and I did that? You ever you ever went to the grocery store? You look down the aisle and you see somebody coming that you really don't want to run into, and you decide, oh, I don't need anything down that aisle. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't want to be that person. You know, I know this is a true story. If I was walking down an aisle in the grocery store and you were coming the other way and my wife was on a different aisle and you were going the other way, most people would rather run into my wife than me. You know why? She, she's an encourager. I want to be, but I'm not as consistent as she is. She doesn't meet a stranger. Listen, you want to be faithful to God? you got to view every interaction as an opportunity to add value to people. You're doing God's work. That's one of the things that gets his attention, being faithful. Let's look at another one. Every resource is an opportunity to multiply. Every resource is an opportunity to multiply. Do you realize everything that's coming to your life maybe not necessarily is just for you? That God has blessed you with what you have, whether it's a little or a lot? And everything that comes into your world is an opportunity for you to multiply. That's the second subject Jesus talked many times about. Look at Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story about a man that went on a journey, and he trusted his wealth to three different men. To one guy, he gives five bags of gold. To another gentleman, he gives two bags of gold, and to a third gentleman, he gives one bag of gold, and he tells them to go out and invest it, to work it. You know what? I'm putting you in charge of it. You're a steward. You're not an owner. This belongs to me, right? And so if you follow, and we're not going to read through the whole story, but the first guy that got five bags, he invested it. He took some risks maybe. He multiplied it, and he ended up having 10 bags of gold. The guy that was given two bags, he invested it, he took some risk, he did whatever he did, he made some wise decisions, he got blessed, he had four bags from his two. The third guy was a little nervous, a little scared, I've been there, didn't really want to make a decision, so he made a decision to go bury it, thinking that the wealthy man when he came back, at least, hey, I didn't lose any of your money, I'll give you back exactly what you had. So he dug a hole and he buried it. And Jesus comes back, the landowner comes back one day right? And he says to the first servant that he gave five bags, he said, well done, you faithful servant. You were good. You, you, you took some risk. You invested, and you had twofold. To the guy that was two bags that turned into four, same thing. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You were faithful with these things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. The third guy <laughs> didn't do as good. The first two took what God had given them, or this landowner, and they multiplied it. The third guy buried it. Jesus said something about him. Jesus speaks to him in a different way than he spoke to the other two. The guy said, hey, I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked Lazy servant. He didn't just call him lazy. I want you to hear this and I want you to feel this. He didn't just call him lazy like you did nothing except bury it, but he called him wicked. You didn't multiply. You didn't take any risk. You didn't realize that it was mine and that I expected something out of it. You know, I often talk to people and. They say, you know what, I really would like to do what you do maybe. I feel like I'm just at a dead end. I'm just, I just go to work. I just own my own business. I'm just a cog in the wheel. If you're a follower of Jesus, can I just tell you, you're in full-time ministry. Wherever you're planted, wherever you work, and if you own your own business, and you've got a little more say-so, are you kidding me? Do you realize what would happen if we all went to work tomorrow, whatever your work is, and you realize that I'm a representative of Jesus, and I'm going to add value to every person that I see? I'm going to add value even to the people that I disagree with? I'm going to take what God has given me, and I'm going to multiply it? I realize I'm not an owner. Even if you own your own business, can I just give you a newsflash? You don't own your own business. You're just a steward. You're going to leave everything behind, and one day God's going to say, were you faithful? Everything that comes into my hands isn't just for me. God wants me to be a steward. I'm a manager. He wants me to be a blessing to other people. He wants me, listen, so many of you have brought in stuff for Honduras. I was in our back offices. They're full. This is, these are getting ready to be delivered in, over, in about a week to a people that make less than $2 a day. And I get it, it's not just about stuff, but we can be a blessing with some of the stuff that God's put in our hands that won't even fit in our closets, Right? But the key is to put him first, not to give him leftovers. Everything that God puts in your hands is not just for you. He wants us to be faithful. Every interaction is an opportunity to add value. Every single resource is an opportunity for it to multiply and be a blessing, to be a part of God's work, to make a difference in this community, to make a difference in this world. It's not just about me and mine. And number three, every prompting is an opportunity to obey God. Every prompting is an opportunity to obey God. That's faithfulness. I love Acts chapter 20, verse 22, when Paul, who was really happy where he was, he had this emotional farewell. He was having to say goodbye to some friends, and here's what he said, and now compelled by the Spirit... He felt this prompting in his gut that God wants me to do something else. And he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I don't even know. I just feel this gut prompting that God's Spirit is speaking to me in my heart, and I'm supposed to go somewhere else. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I don't even know why I'm going to go there. But he went. He said, I, I can't explain it. I don't understand all the details. God's not sent me an email and telling me all that's going to go on, but I've got this prompting, and so I'm going to follow the prompting. Can I tell you what? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to have some promptings. I'm going to encourage you to be faithful and follow him. Now, how do you know if it's a prompting of God or it's not? Well, if it's, if it's contrary to God's word, it's not him. Well, how do you know if it's not? You've got to know his word. That's important to stay up on that, right? Some people get prompted and they say, just follow your heart. Please don't follow your heart. No joke. God's Word says the heart is the deceitful. It will lead you astray. Anybody want to give any stories? Your heart wanted to do a lot of things that you went along with and he got you in trouble. Made some bad decisions, hurt yourself, hurt some other people. But God promptings, they don't violate Scripture. They go go with Scripture, even though you don't know the end result. That's faith. That pleases God. Always. Let me give you just a couple of stories to explain both sides of this. If you don't know my story, I'm going to give you a real thin snub, thumbnail sketch because we're short on time today. I grew up in Tecumseh, went in the Air Force out of high school to have my college paid for so I could get a good job so I could make more money than my parents. Right? Be successful, have the good stuff because I liked stuff. So I went in the Air Force, I got a good job. Got good training. Got out of the Air Force in four years. Was already married. Best thing that came out of the Air Force is me and my wife. Just me. Great stuff. But I knew it wasn't for me career-wise. I got out. I got a job as an engineer. I was only 22 years old. Making good money. Good money. Had my whole life ahead of me, right? This is going to be great. I'll do this for 20 or 30 years. Retire. Eat, drink, and be merry. Have all the fun stuff. All the big adult toys. And It'll be Cool. God had a different plan on a golf course one day. I ran into a pastor, didn't know he was a pastor. We started talking. Long story short, I gave my life to Christ in the floorboard of his pickup truck in the parking lot that day. Not long after that, working with this pastor, just getting really close as friends, I I said, How do you know? How did you know God wanted you to do what you're doing? Like, I kind of feel like maybe God wants me to do that. He said, you just got to follow it. just got to take a step. Long story short, I did quit my engineering job, <laughs> gave up all that money to go back to school, to end up coming back to this area to start a church with three other people on a promise of $25 a week salary. <whistles> You're in it for the money. Did I know what God was going to do? 10, 15, 20 years? Did I know we'd go from a church of six? After five years, we were about a church of 30 or 40. Did I know one day it'd be over 1,500? No. Did we know thousands of people would give their life to Christ? No. It was a prompting that we followed. I had no idea of all the details. I can tell you what I knew. $25 a week? Moved back in with my parents in Tecumseh. We had a three-month-old. Keisha, our only kid at that time, three months old. It was just being faithful to a prompting without knowing the score. Let me give you another story. Not many months ago, I was standing outside after a service, as I normally do, greeting people, saying, hey, have a great week. A girl comes out with her mom. Something, a prompting says, you need to pray with this girl. Like, yeah, but there's people all around. I know I'm a pastor, right? But it still feels odd, right? Hey, can I pray for you? But when she came up and I said, hello, hello, I said, hey, could I pray for you? I just feel like I need to pray for you. She said, okay. We both bowed our head. I prayed a pretty quick prayer. She kind of got a little emotional. Her and her mom turned to walk away. I felt a little bit emotional, right? I didn't know why. Other people start coming, you know, we're just doing my thing. They went away. I had no idea why God wanted me to pray with that person. Can I tell you what happened after that? I have no idea. I have no idea. She went home. I went home. Have I seen her here since? Yes. Do I know why God had me pray with her? I have no idea. No miracle to that story. Why do I tell you both those stories so you can fill in this next point? Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. I don't always know. When you follow a prompting, I'm not telling you it's going to turn into some miraculous story. Like, woo, didn't see that coming. Sometimes I don't even have a clue, but you still follow the promptings because God's doing something. Maybe one day when I get to heaven, God will tell me, hey, I did this, I did this. I have no idea. Maybe he said, I just wanted to see if you'd listen, see if you'd pray in public with somebody else. I have no idea. But that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is just to be faithful and so is yours. As a follower of Jesus, are you faithful? I hear people all the time, oh, yeah, Jesus is number one. Well, let's talk about a few things, right? You just pick the area. It's easier to talk it than it is to walk it. It's easier to say that I'm faithful than to really look at the areas that Jesus said were important to be faithful in, how I treat people, how I handle resources. Am I putting God first? Do I put others first? Does Does my resources financially would it show that I put Jesus first? If not, things are out of order. And Do I listen to promptings or do I ignore them and just to do things my way? Obedience is on me. The outcome is God's. My promise to you is this. You will never, ever just so happen to be faithful. The only way you will be faithful is when you pre-decide that he's God and you're not, and his ways work and yours don't. And even though you don't understand it all, God, I'm going to take you at your word and put you first. I want to hear one day, well done, you good and faithful servant. Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have of your Word, your wisdom. God, we have no doubt that you love us, that you're for us, that you're not against us. God, thank you for reminding us of what matters, that every interaction is an opportunity to add value to people. Every resource, God, that you allow to flow into our hands is an opportunity to multiply. And God, every prompting is an opportunity for us to obey you. May we obey those promptings. May we be faithful because that's our responsibility. But the outcome is yours. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, can I tell you it's the greatest opportunity you have to receive a gift that you can't buy, earn, or deserve. If you will provide the sinner which you are, we all are sinners. Jesus provides the Savior. God so loved you that He sent His Son, Jesus, to live on this earth, to live a perfect life, to receive a horrible beating and horrendous death, buried in a borrowed tomb and three days later defeated death, so that whosoever would put their faith in Him while they're still alive in this body, He would adopt you into His family and give you credit for His perfection because he's already paid for your imperfections. If that's you today, you've never, ever done that. You're not 100% certain if today was your last day, you'd go to heaven. Today is when you make that faith decision. Say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I know that I'm not perfect. I've hurt myself, I've hurt others. I've done things wrong. So Jesus, right now, I turn from my sin and I turn to you by faith. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. And from this day forward, I want to learn to love you like you love me. I want to be faithful to you. And I say thanks. And I give you all the praise in the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen.